But I stand before you, you know, even though I am a physician, I want you to understand that I am not a healer. There's only one healer, and that is Jesus Christ, who's healed all manners of sickness and disease among the people. He is the healer. I am just a physician. Only thing I do is diagnose and treat, but he heals. And he's healed ever since he brought the children out of, out of bondage, out of Egypt. When they came out into the desert, three days after they left Egypt, they came to the bitter waters of Mara, and there they tried to drink the waters that were so full of salts it just made them sick. They were already dehydrated, they were thirsty, they were out in the desert, but there he declared, as he told Moses what to do, Moses threw a stick into the water and it healed the waters and they became pure let me tell you there was a man that hung with stripes on his back on a stick and he healed all manners of sickness and disease so he is our healer there at the bitter waters of Myra God declared himself I am Jehovah Rapha your healer now, Rafa is the sound that a, uh, that a loom makes as you're pushing a loom back and forth to mend something together. He is Jehovah Rapha. He is the one that mends us and puts us back together. Amen. As our healer. Amen. Well, I want to talk to you today about a subject. It has to do with healing, and it can go many different directions. But I want to take you the most extreme direction of what God does. And this subject is called Out of the Nile. And I want to read in Exodus, in chapter 2 and verse 1. We're going to read several verses here. And it's very familiar verses about Moses, the, when Moses was born. And there went a man of the house of Levi and took a wife, a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him, that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could no longer hide him, she took him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and pitch and put the child therein. And she laid it in the flags, the bulrushes, by the river's brink. And his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river. And her maidens walked along by the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent for her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. And skipping down to verse 10, and the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son, and she called his name Moses, and she said, because I drew him out of the water. I want to set the stage for you. It is now 320 years since Jacob and his 70 souls left the drought that was consuming the promised land of Canaan. And there God had already prepared and sent Joseph ahead. And Joseph had prepared a bounty waiting for his father and the 70 souls to come into Egypt. 
They were received as guests. But now, 320 years later, when Moses was born, they were no longer guests. They had multiplied into literally thousands and hundreds of thousands of people. And they were now considered slaves to the Pharaohs building their treasure cities. The children of Israel now had reached critical mass. They were multiplying faster than the Egyptians. And they were being feared by the Egyptians because of their number was getting so great. They were afraid that they would eventually overtake them. So they made them work harder. And they put taskmasters over them to slow them down, to burden them down. But they couldn't stop them. They couldn't stop their growth. Then Pharaoh tried to stem their growth by telling the midwives, when a baby boy is born, I want you to kill it. I don't want you to let the baby boy child live. You can let the girls, but not the boys. The midwives refused. And finally, in desperation, Pharaoh demanded that all the baby boys that were born be tossed into the river Nile to be killed. You know, this set a precedent that we saw play out over and over and over throughout the biblical history. Pharaoh tried to stop the children of God from doing what God wanted. He failed. The Babylonians tried to stop the children of God when they, tried to when they destroyed Jerusalem and the temple and carried the children of God away, but they failed. The Seleucids, the Syrians, they came and they destroyed at the time of the Maccabees the temple and they desecrated and they tried to subject the children of God, but they failed. The Romans, at the time of Jesus, tried to subjugate all of Palestine and the children of God, but they failed. King Herod, he tried to kill the children there in Bethlehem to abort Christ, but he failed. Amen. Hitler tried and failed with genocide of God's people, but they failed. Today, there are governments on this earth that are trying to hold down the people of God from moving forward. But let me tell you, they're failing. Governments in this country and political parties are trying to stem the growth of God's people and God's ways. But they are failing. The church in China now is growing faster than ever before despite their persecution, despite the laws of the government. They get stronger. They grow more. They try to limit the growth. But let me tell you, they are failing because you cannot stop God and what God wants to do in the earth today. Children of Israel, 320 years after Jacob came down, they found themselves in bondage and they be, began to cry out to God. And God had a solution for them as Moses was born. He had a solution on the way. And I believe God's got a solution on the way for you today in the problems that you're facing in this day and time. 
Pharaoh tried to stop God's chosen people, but he couldn't. Because in Deuteronomy 7 and 6, the word of God says, For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord God has chosen thee to be a special people unto himself. Can somebody say amen? God has chosen me to be a special person unto him. Above all the people that are on the face of the earth. The Lord God did not set his love upon you. Nor choose you because you were more in number than any people. For you were the fewest of all people. But the Lord chose you today. It's time to make it personable. The Lord chose you today because the Lord loved you. It's important to know today that God loves us. Just as he loved those people back in the ancient days. It was a desperate time. Now I want you to think about it. It was a desperate time. They were under the mandate of Pharaoh to kill their children. But there was something about Moses. The Bible says that he was a goodly child. There was something about that baby. There is something about that baby that caught the people's eyes. I don't know if he was physically appealing. If he was a big baby. And some scholars remark that Moses was special because he was born circumcised already. But I know there was something about that child that emanated from him. That caused his mother to override the fear of, of the persecution of the government. And to hide this baby for the next three months. There was something about this child that enabled her to hide him for three months. I believe if Moses was born today, the Gerber baby would have problems. There was something so special about Moses that Huggies would be chasing him down to put him on a commercial. I don't know if it was his physical characteristics or maybe it was perhaps that he was supernaturally quiet, enabling him to be hid for three months. But after three months, it got to the point that she could no longer hide her baby. Her child. And I don't think that it was people that got scared or she was afraid she was going to be found out. I believe it was God's timing at that point in time. You see, there's some de developmental milestones that children develop as they age and mature. And at three months of age, Babies begin to babble. Think about it. They make those cute sounds, those babbling sounds. At three months of age, they begin to put their fist in their mouth. And at three months of age, they start smiling. And I believe it was the ordained time 
that when Pharaoh's daughter draw, drew him out of the water, he was crying at first, but I believe her heart melted as he looked into her eyes, put his fist in his mouth, and smiled at her. God's got a timing, folks. I don't care how desperate your situation is. He's got a timing for us. And it was God's time to bring him out. Jochebed, who was Moses' mother, released him into the Nile. And I don't believe it was just the ark itself that the Pharaoh's daughter saw. I believe it was the sound that was coming from that ark. I believe it was the sound of a baby crying out that drew her ear and her eye in that direction. It was the cry of that child that got her attention. And you mothers can testify, when your baby cries, you hear it. There can be a thousand babies in a room, but when that one child cries, your ear is entertained to that one child. It is captured to that way. And let me tell you, when God's children started crying out out of Egypt, it caught the ear of their father. Let me tell you, when you cry out, it gets God's attention. It gets God's attention because I see it happening. When they cried out, God heard. When Bartimaeus cried out to Jesus, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. It stopped Christ in his tracks. Ten times I read in the book of Judges where the oppression of the enemy came in against God's people. And when they cried out, God heard them and raised them up a deliverer. Whether it was Deborah or Samson or Gideon, he raised them up. When Hezekiah was so sick to death, and Isaiah the prophet came to the king in the palace and said, set your house in order, you're going to die and not live. He turned his face to the wall and he began to cry out to God. That cry that Isaiah cried out, God heard that cry. He turned Isaiah the prophet around in the courtroom, sent him back upstairs where a king was dying and said, I'm going to add 15 years to your life. What caused him to do that? It was the cry of the people when they cried out. Throughout all of Psalms, David said, When I cried unto the Lord, he heard me. In Psalms 3 and 18 and 30 and 34 and 70 and 107 and 120 and 138, he documented how he cried out to the Lord and the Lord heard his cry. When Peter was drowning in the water there at the Sea of Galilee, he cried out and Christ reached down and pulled him up out of the very thing trying to consume him. Let me tell you, crying out in the midst of your misery, it's God's attention. Moses cried out and got the attention of that Pharaoh's daughter. And it was God's timing. You see, Jochebed, Moses' mother, she didn't disobey the law of the land. She may have delayed it. But she put Moses in the Nile. She tossed him in, so to say. But did she do that in fear? 
Did she do that out of despair? Did she do that because she was afraid her and her family and her other children would be killed or punished? I don't believe any of those things. I believe she did it in faith. And let me explain. She has done everything naturally possible to protect her baby. She hid it. She nourished it. She loved him. She protected him. She had done everything possible to protect Moses. And when it got to the end of her rope that she could do no more, in faith she let go of that ark. Can you imagine what was going on in her mind as she was in that river with that ark in her hand and how much courage and faith it would have to take to let your baby drift away from your hand, drift away from your protection, float away into the darkness of the Nile. I believe she didn't do it out of fear. I believe she did it in faith. You know, when you look at the Nile River, the word Nile, the name of that river, is never mentioned in Scripture. The word Nile, the name of that river, it's never mentioned. They refer to the Nile as the great river. As the river. And frankly I believe that God never mentioned it by name. In Isaiah 23 and 3. The river is called Sikor. Which means dark and murky. It's a black stream. But I believe that God never mentioned the word Nile. Because the Egyptians looked at it as a god. And he had such disdain that he wasn't even going to mention it or call it by name. It wasn't a God to the children of Israel. So here Jochebed releases the most precious thing that can be given to an individual, her child. And she releases it into the darkness, the murkiness, the cloudiness of the river itself. Can you imagine? She had done all and had to release that baby into the darkness, the murkiness of this river. She let go of all control that she had over the situation. And when she let go of that control, she released him in faith into that black stream. And released him into the hand and the providence of God himself. Let me tell you, there are people here in this congregation today that they are at their wits end. Pastor. They have done all that they can possibly do in their family situation. They have perhaps done all that they can do in the situation of sickness or disease or cancer. That they're facing. They have done all they can do. To try to tamper and control. And they tried to control. Their addictions. 
the problems of the divorce or depression. And they find themselves just like Moses, just like Jochebed, in a river of despair, of darkness, of loneliness, of misery. But let me tell you, God had a way out for Moses. Moses was in a desperate situation. Three months of age, adrift by himself in an ark of bulrushes in the darkness of the river. But out of that darkness, out of that murkiness, out of that situation, out of all the potential despair around that, God brought him out. Let me tell you, in the darkness of your situation and the despair that you may have in your life, God wants to bring you out. He's already got a plan. Moses came out of the Nile. He came out of the darkness. And he was delivered into a hand of a princess. And even back into the hand of his own mother that raised him to a teenager. Can I ask you a question? Can God deliver? Can God make a way? Can God bring you out of the Nile? Can God bring you out of the thing that was intended to destroy you? Can God bring you out? I believe He can. And I believe He will. I look at Joseph. He was the favorite son of Jacob. He was the one that God had prepared a way for him before there was even a need. Joseph. Or Jacob. Jacob loved Joseph more than any others. He made him a coat of many colors. God gave Joseph the ability to dream and to interpret dreams. And because of that, his family and his brothers became exceedingly jealous of Joseph. Exceedingly jealous of Joseph. You know... And God told Jacob, go down and send Joseph to check on his brothers and see how they are, see how the flocks are doing. Kind of like what Jesse said to David, go down and check on your brothers. Folks, I tell you, when you're going to check on your brothers, your life's about to change. <laughs> Joseph's life's began to change. And he found himself thrown into a pit, a place of darkness. That was beyond his control. It was a pit of jealousy is what it was. And the brothers threw him down there in jealousy. Into this pit of jealousy. Ready to kill him. Didn't want to deal with him anymore. But let me tell you God brought him out. He went from the pit of jealousy. Into Potiphar's house sold as a slave. And there, as he was working in the house of Potiphar was prospering, Potiphar's wife lied on him. And he found himself back in another pit, so to say, a prison. A prison of false accusations. He went from a pit of jealousy into a pit of false accusations. Am I talking to somebody today? Have I talking to somebody that's been living in a pit of jealousy? That's beyond their control or false accusations. And there in the pit, there in the prison, he dreamed and he told the baker, you're going to lose your head. But he told the butler, you're going to be restored. The butler got out. 
And he said, remember me when you get out. Well, the butler forgot him. Let me tell you, there are people here that may have been forgotten, looked over. Come on. But I tell you, God hadn't forgotten. God keeps pretty good records, doesn't he, Rob? I tell you what, sometimes you find yourself in a pit of jealousy or a pit of false accusation or even a place of being overlooked. But let me tell you, God has got a way out. He remembers you. 1 Peter 5 and 6 says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. God knows how to bring you out of the darkness of your situation. No matter where you find yourself, examine yourself today. Ask yourself, how long am I going to stay in the pit when God's got a way for me to get out? How am I going to stay in these addictions and these problems that I'm having when God's got a way for me to get out? You know what? God likes to disrupt darkness. God's spirit is attracted to darkness. The earth was without form and void. And darkness was on the face of the deep. And what showed up? The spirit of the Lord moved on the face of of the darkness it moved on the face of the deep let me tell you in the darkest parts of your life if the spirit of the Lord is attracted to that and when the spirit of God is attracted to darkness it's not long till the light comes it's not long till the light comes come on the spirit is attracted to darkness. It's attracted to despair. It's attracted to sin. It's attracted to addiction. It's attracted to sickness and disease and family discord. The spirit of God is attracted to the problems of your life. And if you allow the word of God, the revelation of Jesus Christ to settle in your heart, it will activate the light and the darkness will flee from you. It's John 1 and 4 says, In him was life, and life was the light of men. And that light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. When you've done all to stand, then it's time to come out of the Nile. It's time to let go of some things and come out of the Nile. Peter and Silas, they were doing God's business. In Acts, they were falsely accused. How many has been falsely accused? And the rest of you can raise your hand. Amen. They've been lied upon. They were beaten and thrown into prison. And it was all circumstances beyond their control. Been there, done that, all circumstances beyond their control. 
But in the midst of their misery, when they began to sing and praise God in the midnight hour, the darkest point of their bondage there, it was like a flashlight turned on. And the darkness could no longer comprehend them. It could no longer hold them. It could no longer keep them subdued. It could no longer have them beaten and tucked away. The dungeon couldn't hold them. And God brought them out of that darkness. Finally, when you look at the darkness of the situation, I want you to think about the darkness of the tomb of Christ. Here he was crucified. He was dead and he was put in the darkest place in the earth, the tomb. But at the right time, God's got a timing. At the right time, the tomb couldn't hold him anymore. The darkness couldn't surround him anymore. And he brought him out. Brought him out for all of us. I want to close here today. I want to return back to that little girl that was standing afar off, which was Moses' sister, Miriam, her older sister, or his older sister. Jochebed had released Moses into the river. Miriam, I don't know in her direction or on her own, as a child, went around to see what would happen. Miriam, the name in Hebrew, means bitterness. How would you like to name your daughter bitterness? But that's what her name meant. Now, I don't know if it's a reflection of the time they were living in as slaves under the taskmasters of the pharaohs, but her name means bitterness or rebellion. But I want you to notice something about her. And it's something that people do all the time. There are two types of people that are looking at people in a desperate situation. Whether it be cancer or problems in your family or relationships or in your job. There are two people that are standing there. And some of them are very bitter watching you to see what will happen. And some people are watching to see you fall. They are watching to see you fail. And they are bitter people standing there, waiting, wanting, and watching to see your demise. But let me tell you, there's another group of people that are standing over here and they're not watching for you to fail. They're watching to see how God's going to bring you out. And I believe this church is a church that is looking at your situation, no matter how dark or desperate it is, to see how God's going to bring you out. He's going to bring you out of the Nile, out of the darkness, out of the murkiness, out of the confusion and the darkness where you don't know what to do. And sometimes it's beyond your control. And when it's beyond your control, then you have to let go and believe God in faith 
that somehow, sometime, he's going to do it. When I was so sick, eaten up with cancer, tumors the size of cantaloupes under my neck, massive adenopathy under my arms, a size 60 waist, all engorged with cancer. I weighed 220 pounds. I was centrally obese. And I could take and wrap my thumb and finger around my proximal arm. Liver failure. Bone marrow failure. Respiratory failure. Renal failure. I was dying. And for months, leading up until this terrible situation, beyond what any man could do, we were on TV. We didn't have live streaming back 20 years ago. But what our church in our area did is they would record the service. And every morning at 7 o'clock on the local television channel, they would run the weekly broadcast. We had church all the time. We had church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, half the time during the week. We had churches that we could run five days a week, different services all the time. And we attended those things. And there was prophecy given over me as I was sick. There were people were watching in the whole region. There were people that saying, what's that church going to do when Doc dies? As they stood in faith and they watched. And they watched the progression of cancer. And they watched the situation. They were watching the darkness grow darker. But let me tell you, there's another group of people that were standing there in faith. Looking, trying to figure out, how is God going to do this? I want to be those people that are looking in faith instead of looking at despair. I want to look at the faith in your situation. I want to believe God for your miracle over sickness or whatever. But let me tell you, there was a day that I came out of the Nile. Amen. There was a moment that I came out of that darkness and I was delivered and stood in front of them declaring the victory of God. Amen. Let me ask you, can he do it? Will he do it? Will I hold on? Will I believe God? I'm going to believe him for my miracle and for your miracle. Because that's what God does. He brings us out of the Nile. Out of the darkness. Thank you, Jesus.